Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see you, and uh, thanks so much for, for being here, making River Glen part of your, part of your uh, weekend. Uh, today we're uh, launching out on a new, brand new series leading up to Christmas called Netflixmas. Question for you, how many of you like to watch movies at uh, Christmas time? Let's show hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. M- movies are very popular, especially uh, this time of the year. Every year we have a tradition in our family. We, uh, on Christmas Day, our family will watch the same movie. Uh, every year, same Christmas movie on Christmas Day, and it's my favorite Christmas movie. Anybody want to take a guess? Home Alone. I didn't hear that. Home Alone. Yeah, I, my kids, I think they know every line in the uh, movie. I'm, I'm so proud of them. But there's a lot of great Christmas movies out there, and we're going to take a look. We're going to talk about a, a few of them that really point to biblical truths that have a lot to do with our lives uh, right now. And uh, today, you know, if we're going to talk about some of the classics, uh, we've got to talk about this one, and that is the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas. How many have seen Charlie Brown Christmas uh, before? Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, I watched it for the first time in its entirety about a week and a half ago. I figured since I'm teaching on it that I probably should watch it and uh, read up on it. And I also learned some interesting backstory, some background on it. Charlie Brown Christmas was, uh, it came about in 1965, 51 uh, years ago based on the Peanuts cartoon strip by Charles Schultz. They put this thing together really quick. Charles Schultz wrote a quick script in just a matter of a few weeks. They grabbed some neighborhood kids to do the voices. And they made some radical decisions. There's no laugh track. They put jazz music to it. It was different. It was out of the box. And everybody thought it would flop, but it was a huge hit. And the critics loved it. And here we are, you know, 51 years later, and they show it. Every year. They just showed it just a few days ago on ABC. Maybe some of you saw it. Well, here's a clip from the movie. I don't know, Linus. I just don't know. Well, I guess we'd better concentrate on finding a nice Christmas tree. I suggest we try those searchlights, Charlie Brown. really brings Christmas close to a person. Fantastic. Gee, do they still make wooden Christmas trees? This little green one here seems to need a home. I don't know, Charlie Brown. Remember what Lucy said? This doesn't seem to fit the modern spirit. I don't care. We'll decorate it, and it'll be just right for our play. Besides, I think it needs me. So why do you think so many people enjoy watching this movie? What is it that people enjoy about it? Well, here's, here's what I think. I think it's the simplicity of the, uh, of, the, of, of the movie and how it brings us back to the true meaning of, of, of Christmas. When Charles Schultz pitched this idea to his producer, his producer pushed back and said, you know what, we're going to need to cut that last scene where Linus reads from the scripture and recites the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke. And Charles Schultz said, if you cut that scene, I ain't doing it. And they left it in there. And it's actually the culmination of the movie about the real and simple message of Christmas. Now, if you've seen this movie, uh, you probably recognize this little, this little tree uh, right here. This tree is really the centerpiece 
of the movie. It's really the, the center symbol of the movie. Lucy and her friends give Charlie Brown this assignment to go out and get a tree for the play. And they tell him, get one of the big new ones, one of the fancy new aluminum uh, ones. But Charlie Brown finds this little tree, this bare tree with hardly anything on it. And he says, I think this one is, is, is the right one for the play. This one needs me. And he brings a tree back. And, of course, that's not what the other kids were expecting. And they laugh and make fun of Charlie uh, Brown. And they mock the little tree. And if you think about it, this little tree, in some ways, represents Jesus and how he came. In, in the Old Testament, prophet Isaiah chapter 11 prophesies about the Messiah. And he says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. A, a shoot is a, is a new growth, a young branch. But that's not, how, that's not what people expected for the Messiah. And so when Jesus comes as a simple baby and he grows up and becomes a carpenter, people are, are surprised. That's not what they expected. And many people rejected him. Later on, the prophet Isaiah said he was despised and rejected by mankind. That's how people responded to Jesus, the same way that people responded to this little tree in the movie. And so the movie has a lot of symbolism. But at the end of the movie, they all gather around this simple little Christmas tree. They sing, hark, the herald angels sing. And it brings them back to the real simple message of Christmas. And they celebrate together. And so here's what I want to do. I want to read the Christmas story uh, to you from, from Luke chapter 2. And as I read, I want you to think about how everything in the Christmas story is so simple. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to the God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on, on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I want you to think about this story of God, you know, coming down to this planet through the birth of Jesus. And I want you to think of this Christmas story through the word simplicity. Because I think there's something inside all of us that longs for the simple message of Christmas. Now, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with, you know, shopping and, and lights and all the rush and hustle and bustle of Christmas. I mean, some of that's fun. Some of you may enjoy that. But I would bet that there's something inside each one of us that longs 
for the simple message of Christmas. And so I want you to see this story through the lens of simplicity. First of all, Jesus had a very simple beginning. I mean, God didn't send his son as some superhero, you know, with amazing strength. Or as a conquering king riding into town on a horse. No, God sent his son as a simple, humble baby whose only job was to grow up and love people. That was it. And, you know, it's as if God went to just great lengths to make sure that it was a humble beginning. We see this word manger show up several times. In verse 7, it shows up. What do you think of when you hear this word uh, manger? What do you picture in your mind? Probably a wooden cradle, right, with some straw in it. But that's not what it was. A manger was actually a feeding trough for animals. Uh, how many of you have an animal at home? You know, not, not a cow, but a, a dog or, or maybe a cat at, at home. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got a feeding dish, a pet dish of some kind. We've got a cat at home named Ellie. And Ellie, her hi, the highlight of her day, you know, what she gets most excited about is, is getting fed, you know, uh, every night. Even though it's the same old meal, same meal, 365 days a year. You know, the same old dry food, you know, every day. And even though we don't wash her bowl, you know, uh, very often, she doesn't care. You know, in fact, I can't remember the last time that I washed her bowl. We're not very good uh, pet owners. Um, you know, and pet dishes typically are kind of messy, right? They're kind of gross. You know, Ellie's bowl, there's some drool and dried food stuck on the bottom uh, there. It's kind of gross. So can you imagine placing a newborn baby in a feeding trough? you know, for animals. Hopefully they, they washed it before they, they put Jesus in there, but that, that, that's the manger. It was a very humble and simple uh, beginning. Typically we think of the manger as out in a stable, out in a barn, somewhere out in the country. We picture Joseph and Mary, you know, running around Bethlehem looking for a room at the Hampton Inn or the Holiday Inn, but there's no vacancies. But I want you to notice it says guest room, okay, which probably refers to the guest room in a simple peasant home. Back then, most homes were, were small, and they had just three uh, rooms, and uh, they, they did most of their living in the middle room here, the, 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 the living room, the family uh, room. This is where they cooked and where they ate and, and where, they, where they slept, right here in the middle room. And then over here on the left was a room for animals, a stable area. What families would do is they'd bring their donkey, uh, their cow, their sheep in here at nighttime so that nobody would steal them. And then you can see the mangers here. See these two circles right here? They, th these are just feeding dishes or troughs that they dug out of the floor to feed the animals. The animals would be over here in the stable and they could reach through into the manger there and, and eat. And then on the other end of the, of the peasant home would be a guest room because hospitality was highly valued in that ancient culture. You wanted to welcome people into your home. And so here's what happened. Joseph and Mary could not find a guest room. There was no guest room available, and so they ended up in this, in a, in this stable, uh, a simple, in a simple peasant uh, house. Max Lucado writes, the royal throne room, no tapestries covering the windows, no velvet garments and satin pillows, the sounds in the house, cows munching, hooves crunching, a mother humming, a baby crying. It could have begun anywhere, the story of the king, but it began in a manger. That's the birthing room. No doctors, no nurses, no epidurals, none of that stuff. It couldn't have been any simpler. 
Jesus had, Jesus had a very simple and humble uh, beginning. And then second, uh, Jesus came to simple people. Think about how God didn't announce the birth of his son first to the powerful people, to the wealthy people. No, God announced the birth of his son to the simplest people of all, a group of shepherds. They were the poorest of the poor. They were uneducated. They smelled. They, they, they handled animals. They were considered unclean. They weren't allowed into the temple area. And so nobody wanted them around. But God loves to use people labeled as insignificant. And so God chose the simplest people on earth to hear the most profound message. And then as you continue reading further, you notice something else. Jesus offered a very simple solution. I mean, there were big problems in the world back then, just like, just like today. Political problems, economic problems. People struggled in relationships and marriages. The divorce rate was sky high. People felt hopeless. But Jesus comes along and offers a very simple solution. Here's how the angel explains it in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Now, when some people hear about Jesus as the savior, they think, you gotta be kidding me, you know? To think of Jesus as a serious solution to the complex problems in the world, and in my life, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. But you see, you see, God knows that our, God knows our biggest problem. God knows our deepest problem. God knows that the root of all our problems is sin. And so Jesus comes and offers a simple solution so that we can overcome the penalty of sin and the power of sin in our lives and in our world. Today, a savior has been born to you. That's the solution. It's so simple but so profound, it changes everything about our lives. Let me read a little more from Max uh, Lucado. I just like the way that, that he expresses the simplicity of the solution. He writes, it happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment. As moments go, that one appeared no different than any other, but that moment was like no other. God became a man. While the creatures of the earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as a fetus. Holiness sleeping in a womb. The creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. God had come near. No silk, no ivory, no hype, no party, no hoopla. Were it not for the shepherds, there would have been no reception. And were it not for a group of stargazers, there would have been no gifts. One thing is for sure, he was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything that you and I have ever felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He was susceptible to willing women. He got colds, burped, and had body odor. His feelings got hurt. His feet got tired. To think of Jesus in such a light is, well, it seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It's not something we like to do. It's uncomfortable. It's much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation. Clean the manure from around the manger. Wipe the sweat out of his eyes. Pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. He's easier to stomach that way. There's something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant, packaged, predictable. But don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't. 
Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and muck of our world. For only if we let him in can he pull us out. Jesus really is the simple solution. The solution is as simple as a baby in a manger. And then if you read further, you, you see that Jesus asked for a simple decision. It's not, it's not complicated. It's really a simple decision. When the message came to the shepherds, notice how they responded and said, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see what the, what the angels told us about. Wouldn't it be great, you know, if everybody that we talked to about Jesus responded that way? You know, tell me more. I want to find out more. Wouldn't that be great? But it's really that simple, a simple decision. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Notice it says, whoever believes in him. It doesn't say whoever obeys all the commands. Whoever uh, obeys or keeps all the rules. Whoever gets their act together and keeps their act uh, together. No, it's not that complicated. It's not that difficult. It says whoever believes. If you just believe in your, in your, or your heart, you don't even have to understand it all. I mean, I guess you have to understand that God loves you and sent his son for you. And he wants to spend eternity with you. But to try and get your mind, you know, around the complexity of all of that. Uh, you, and I, you and I can't do that, but we can reduce it down to just believe. Jesus asked for a simple decision. And then Jesus invites us to share his simple mission. Verse 17 says that after the shepherds saw the baby Jesus, they went and they told everybody. And Jesus invites us to do the same thing today. It's really a simple mission. I would bet that there's people in your life, probably several people in your life that, that need to know Jesus, but maybe you're afraid to bring him up because you're afraid they might laugh at you or maybe they'll ask you a question and you, and you won't be sure how to, how to answer it. See, we make it more complicated than it really needs to be. The shepherds didn't worry about that. They didn't worry about convincing people. They didn't worry about changing people because that, that's really God's job. That's not our job. They just told everybody about Jesus. And that's our simple mission today. See, everything about the Christmas story speaks about simplicity. And I believe there's something inside all of us that longs for a simple Christian. And so I want to, simple Christmas. And so I want to share with you uh, some, some ideas, some practical ideas and some practical steps to move toward a simpler and more enjoyable Christmas this year. First of all, many of us just need to slow down. Many of us just, just probably what we need to do is slow it down. A, a little bit. You know, in some ways, I'm probably the, the wrong one to, to uh, teach about this because I struggle with it. But maybe I'm the right one to teach it because I know what happens when we're, we're in a hurry. We miss out on so many good things when we're in a, in a hurry. We're not as grateful in a hurry. We don't enjoy the people around us when we're in a hurry. We can't pray in a, in a hurry. We can't love our kids and friends in a hurry, and on and on. So many good things don't happen in a hurry. That's why if you study the life of Jesus, you'll see that, that he never seemed to be in a hurry. He never seemed to have an anxious spirit. And he had a lot more on his plate than, than you and I uh, do. But he was never in a hurry because he, because he knew how to slow down. Here's a few personal questions to, to ask yourself. Maybe these will be helpful. What do you think your spouse or your close friend would say is the one thing that they would love to see you change about your schedule. If you have a, a, a kid, if you have a, have a child, what do you think is the one thing your, your child would say 
they would love for, to, to see you change about your schedule. You know, if you're a kid, what's the, what's the one thing you think your parents would say they would love to see you change about your schedule? Asking these questions, it might increase our joy by helping us slow down a little bit this Christmas. And then a second way to enjoy a simpler Christmas is to screen your screens. Screen your screens. You ever, you ever stopped and wondered, you know, how many, you know, how many different screens there are that we look at each day in our lives? How many different screens do we stare at, you know, on, on the phone or on our computer or our iPad or, or, the, or the TV? Came across a survey uh, recently and, and they discovered, get this, the average American spends 10 hours and 29 minutes a day staring at a screen, some kind of screen. And that number just keeps growing and growing. We, we spend more time staring at screens than anything else. Some of us are checking our messages, and, and you can't wait to tweet that out, you know, what I just said. It's, a, it's an issue. It can be a problem. Now, in many ways, technology can be a great tool. It can be a good thing in our lives, but sometimes we don't know how to stop. Sometimes it's a good idea to just unplug, isn't it? And, and maybe take a nap or read a book with pages or bake cookies or, or call a friend or do something other than what the screen tells you is so important in that moment. Some of us may need to fast from technology once in a while where we just turn something off and just, and just leave it aside. Fasting is when you say, you know what, I enjoy this and I want this in my uh, life, but I'm going to show it who's boss. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it alone for a while. And, and then you invite God into that space. So slow down, screen your screens. And then a third way to have a simpler, more enjoyable Christmas is to take a moment and just sit in silence. Sit in silence. That's what Mary did. In verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary's chewing on it. She's reflecting on it. She's soaking in it. She's not rushing off. When was the last time you just sat down in silence and, and reflected on the message, the great message of, of Christmas? Many of us are kind of like Elijah in, in the Old Testament. Elijah was, you know, burned out. He was stressed out. He was, he was depressed. He was, he was tired. He was anxious, maybe like some of us in this room right now. And so God sent Elijah to a mountain because he wanted to speak to Elijah. So Elijah goes up to the top of this mountain and he wonders, How's God, how's God going to speak to me? And God sends this rushing wind, this powerful wind. And, you know, Elijah thinks God's going to speak to me through the wind. But he didn't hear from God in that rushing wind. And then uh, God shakes things up with an earthquake. And Elijah thinks God's going to speak to me through the earthquake. But he doesn't hear from God through the earthquake. And then God sent this fire. Elijah thinks, this is it. But he doesn't hear from God. And then it says God spoke to Elijah on that mountaintop. In a quiet, gentle whisper. In 1 Kings 19, it says, in a sound of sheer silence. When was the last time you just sat in sheer silence before God? It can be a little uncomfortable, can't it? You're going, you know, say something because you want to, to break the silence. But that's when God speaks to us. Those are the times when we hear uh, from God. So find some time in this busy and noisy Christmas season and just sit in silence before God. Do some chair time with God. Here's a little tool that might help you out. We put this on our, on our website. It's a, it's a Christmas uh, Bible reading plan. Go to our website and, and download that. It might help you. It gives you a little scripture to read each day. It might help you uh, 
find some quiet time, schedule some quiet time with God so that you can really enjoy a simpler Christmas. And then fourth, uh, give some simple gifts, uh, simple, simple uh, gifts. Now, I'm not suggesting that you cancel Santa Claus, no, or that you, you know, don't buy your kids toys or, or gift cards or, or, or whatever. No, I'm just saying that sometimes the most meaningful gifts are personal and relational and simple. I love the, the coupons my kids give for, you know, uh, going to a movie uh, together or dinner together or out for ice cream uh, together. Those are some of the best uh, gifts. I know one family that decided that instead of more stuff under the tree, we need more time with the people around the tree. And so what they did is they took uh, the money they would have spent on gifts and they, they use it on experiences they share together. And so every night of Christmas week, they do something fun together as a family. They go to a musical together or a basketball game together. And then some people give simple gifts outside their family. Uh, maybe, maybe they go to a nursing home or a hospital and they just bless people who maybe feel ignored or forgotten. Uh, they bless them with the gift of their presence. Simple gifts can make Christmas more meaningful and enjoyable. And then one more way to enjoy a simpler Christmas how about, how about spreading the good news? Just like, just like the shepherds went and told everyone about the birth of Jesus. Here's a simple way, a great way for each of us to spread the good news and, and, and tell others about Jesus. Invite them uh, to Christmas at River Glen. We're having four Christmas Eve services, two on the 23rd, two on the, on the 24th. Invite them here and we'll tell them the good news and share the message of Christmas. Last year we did a, a candle lighting in this room, maybe you were here. It was, it was so cool. It was so awesome in this room that uh, we're going to do that again uh, this year. And uh, we're going to have uh, hot chocolate and characters for the kids in, in the lobby. But best of all, in this room, we're going to share the simple message about Jesus. We've got some invitation pieces at the door on your way out. Take some of those and invite people and spread the good news. You know, you can stick them in your Christmas card maybe. I love how the, how the Charlie Brown Christmas movie ends. It ends with the simple message of Christmas. Take a look. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men.
That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Let me pray for us, and then we'll share communion. Our communion is open to anybody who says yes to the message about Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in a world that was complex back then, and is probably even more complex today, that the simple but profound message breaks through. Because unto us a Savior is born. God, we're thankful that you love us so much that you would choose to enter into our world and into our mess and rescue us. And you just simply ask us to believe, to believe you. God, in these next few moments as we share uh, this meal that, that, that we call communion, I pray that this message about Jesus would break through and help us uh, to simply enjoy this Christmas. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.